Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. We've been taking a look at the Lord's Prayer for several weeks now. And we have looked, as we begin to break this into segments, we've looked at four different segments, and so we're going to continue moving into the Lord's Prayer. We'll get to Matthew Matthew chapter 6 here in just a couple of minutes. Um, But we looked at initially our Father and how Jesus united us together in unity in saying our Father. Then we took a look at um, uh, His kingdom come right here on the earth, and how we are a part of a very real, very present here and now kingdom that God has brought us into. Then we took a look, um, and Pastor Gary shared with us about the power that we have access to in that kingdom. And then last week, we took a look at the, the portion of this prayer that says, give us today our daily bread, and how God is our provider, and he's always providing in the moment. We worry about the future, we rely on the past, but God wants us to to talk to him about today and how he gives us that. And so we'll look today at the next portion of that is forgive us our sins, or as one translation says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned or have debts against us. Before we do that, though, uh, this is for the gentleman. Do you remember your first car? I had dreams of what my first car was going to be like. Like, I think growing up, you begin to smell fumes from other cars, and then you're like, oh, those fumes of that Mustang is the car that I want, right? And so you begin to concoct this image in your mind, long before you ever get your driver's license, about the type of car that you want. And so I remember my car, my first car that I got whenever I was growing up, and it wasn't this Mustang. (laughs) This was what I wanted. I prayed for a Mustang, and I think I had my first experience of what it felt like when I didn't get this car, and I felt like, God, this is what I was praying for, but yet you did not deliver this. And to make it even better for me, my grandparents owned a used car dealership, and so they dealt in used cars. So I'm this close, like just a couple generations, right, removed from being able to get the car that I want. And so I would go with my grandpa to all of these dealer events, and I would see all of these beautiful cars. And so I would dream about all these cars that I actually wanted. And then I decided I wanted a Camaro because our family was Chevy people. And you can't have a Mustang because that's Ford, and we're Chevy people. And so then I wanted a nice red Camaro, just like, well, it, I got a car a long time before this model was out, but um, man, I really wanted a red one. But you know what I got? This. <laughs> yep, that's what I said when it was given to me too. I got a Datsun B210 hatchback. Why did I get this car? because it was at my grandparents' car lot, 
and nobody else bought it. And so because they couldn't sell it, that's what I got. I had dreams of this, but I got this. The thing about this car that I thought was so neat, though, is you didn't even have to have a key to start it. You could just get in, you could put a knife in there, you could put a bobby pin in there. I even used a popsicle one time to start my car. I bet you can't say that you've done that. This car was so great that if you sat in the passenger seat, you could see the road through the rust in the floorboard over there. You know how my grandpa fixed it? He bought me floor mats because you don't need to see the road because it's covered up with your floor mat. This was a great car. It lasted me for the two years that I was driving in high school. And then praise the Lord, my mom bought a car and then I got to drive her extra car around that she actually had. The other thing that I thought was so neat about my car is that it had this little light on the dash. I'm 16 years old, just beginning to drive, and this little light on the dash said check engine. And I could not get this light to go off. I had asked a couple, what do I need to do? You know, all I know at this point is change the oil, right? You change the oil, you put in a new filter in it, um, everything's going to be okay in your car. No, the light, the check engine light would not go off on this, on this Datsun hatchback B210. And so I had tried to figure out what was going on with this light. It would not go off. It was really annoying because it was one of those orange lights on the dash and whenever you drove, it was just right there staring at your face. Couldn't get this light to go off. And so I came up with an idea of what I would do to get this light to go off. I put black electrical tape over that light, and it went off. It's got rust in the floorboard. You can see the ground, right? What's a little electrical tape over a light going to do? It's not going to hurt anything. But here's what happened with that light. It was trying to tell me that there was an oil leak from my engine and the light was telling me there's a problem and you need to address this problem I thought by putting a little tape over it it was gonna make the problem go away but no the light was still there and the light was telling me there is a problem and you have to address the problem in this next section of the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus says, you need to forgive other people just as, they, just as you have been forgiven, what Jesus is in essence saying is, there is a problem that you have to address in your life. And if you are ignoring this portion of the Lord's Prayer, and you are all about today's bread, and you are all about His kingdom, and you are all about the very, very end part of this prayer, and you are living all of this prayer, but you are ignoring the flashing light at the, at the middle of this prayer, Jesus is saying you are eventually going to run out of gas, and you are going to have big problems in your life. Because when Jesus said as you want to be forgiven you have to forgive other people there is a blinking light in our lives and it's right here in the middle of the Lord's Prayer when this light comes on for us that Jesus said what he is reminding us of the significance of relationships all around us 
And so I want to pause here and I want to talk about relationships for just a minute. We'll come back to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to take a look at some other scripture. We'll end up again in Matthew chapter 6. But I want to talk about relationships here for just a minute. If we are to remind ourselves about the importance of relationships, we have to go back to the very, very beginning of when God was speaking creation into existence. Here's the great thing about us in the flesh and God. We were created to be in relationship with God as well as in relationship with each other. God created us no matter if you're an introvert, you're an extrovert, or whatever other type of verts that we can come up with, we were created to be in relationship first with God and then with each other. So in God's eyes, relationships are very, very important. But you know what happens? The enemy takes those relationships and turns them and uses them against us. You've never experienced that? You, you, you've never experienced a broken relationship? You've never experienced a hurt from a relationship? When Melissa and I were first married, we were married on January 24th of 2004. I didn't plan this too well because Christmas was just a month before our wedding. So then we have Christmas, then we have our anniversary, and then Valentine's Day in there, and then right after Valentine's Day, just a couple of three days, is her, is her birthday. So we're just loaded up with gifts all right here in the beginning of the year. But so we were married on January 24th, and right after that, just a couple of weeks, is Valentine's Day. And so I got Melissa a gift for Valentine's Day, and I thought that which I was giving her was sufficient for Valentine's Day. No, I didn't get Melissa a card for Valentine's Day. Gentlemen, that was not good. I thought the gift was sufficient, but what she was looking for was the note inside of a card. I could have saved a lot of money had I just bought the card, because that's what she was looking for. And on that first Valentine's Day, three weeks after we're married, I'm really batting a thousand because I've already made my wife cry <laughs> because she just wanted a card. So you know what I did? I went to the Hallmark store about a mile from our house and I bought the biggest card that you could ever imagine. And I thought, boy, this is going to make up for it. But you know what I did even more by buying the biggest card? I hurt her that much more. <laughs> I didn't buy her the card that she wanted. I bought the big one. Now that's just a little thing, and we can look back now on it, and we can, shortly after that, we look back now on it, and we laugh about it. Because I thought I had my idea of what marriage was supposed to be, and the gift that I was giving was going to be enough, and she just wanted a card. So I made sure that every Valentine's Day after that, and every birthday after that, there were always cards. But in that, just, just a small token that you can see, that in that her feelings were hurt. And that happens in relationships sometimes. That happens when somebody you love deeply does something that hurts you. Sometimes relationships hurt. And here's what I have learned. There is no perfect relationship. 
even in our relationship with God, we are on the imperfect side of that relationship because we're in the flesh. And so relationships hurt despite the fact that God made us to be in relationship with him and then in relationship with each other, relationships just hurt sometimes. And the enemy turns what God intended for us against us and he will begin to use relationships against us. We, we can all joke and we can all say that we've just got this one strange uncle in our family, right? Or we can say we've got this one strange person in our family. Or we've got this person. And we would joke about that. And we, we say that in jest sometimes. But the truth of the matter is, there is a relationship there that God has given to us. No matter how strange the uncle is. Or no matter how much somebody else may have hurt you. There is a relationship there. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is giving us that flashing warning light, just like it was on my Datsun B210. There is a problem that comes into our lives as it pertains to relationships. And Jesus is saying, I want you to have relationships as he intended us to have relationships here on the earth. And so in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew chapter 6, if you would look at it right quick with me, just, we're just going to look at this one verse here, and then we're going to go back and look at some other scriptures. In this one verse here, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 12, Jesus, in telling us how to pray, says this, give us to, or I'm sorry, it's right after that, it's, it's, it's um, verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I like the way that we get this. Um, you know what? My, my slides have messed up here, Adrian. If you would reset them, then I'll be, able to, I'll be able to get that. Here we go. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, I like the way that the Good News translation says this. The Good News translation says, Forgive us the wrongs that we have done as we forgive the wrongs that others have done to us. In the Amplified Bible, this is what we get. And forgive us our debts or our sins. As we have forgiven our debtors, what does that mean? Letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. So I like how this verse Jesus gives us here. He says there's two issues that we're going to address in this. The blinking light that he is giving us are two different things. Forgive us our debts. And so God, I want you to forgive me of all of the sins, all of the junk that I have allowed to be in my life. Forgive me of those sins. But Jesus didn't stop there, but he went a step further because he knew that we were created to be in relationship. The first part of Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, deals with our relationship with God. We could say that is our vertical relationship, because it's a relationship here on earth, and it is up. It's our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So Jesus wants us to do two things. First, we have to make sure that our relationship with our Heavenly Father is in proper order. And so God, I want you to forgive me. No period at the end of this. There's a comma at the end of this. And Jesus goes a step further. 
Because what Jesus knew is you can't, hear this, you can't be in right relationship with your heavenly father and wrong relationship with somebody here on the earth. Oh, no, no amens for that one. Hmm. I'll say it again. You can't be in right relationship with your heavenly father and wrong relationship with somebody here on the earth. Jesus said, if you want to be in right relationship with your heavenly father, then you've got to take the entirety of Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, and you've got to see it lived out in your life. God, forgive me of my sins. Oh, and then what does he say? As we have forgiven those who've sinned against us, those who have wronged me, and those that I have resentment against. The great thing about this verse that we rush over in the Lord's Prayer about is there's a word, a couple of words here, that are key for us. Jesus said, forgive me as we have forgiven. In essence, what Jesus is saying, according to the measure of forgiveness that I have poured out, that's the measure of forgiveness that I expect to receive from you. Again, you can't be in right relationship with your heavenly father and wrong relationship with those that are here on the earth. So what else is Jesus talking about here in the Lord's Prayer? You'll go back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 4. I want to take a look here at the very beginning of Genesis chapter 4 to give a little additional insight to what I believe that Jesus is actually teaching us here in the Lord's Prayer. If you remember God in Genesis 1 and 2, we take a look at creation and how God spoke the world into existence. This amazing account and record of creation for us. In Genesis chapter 3, we see sin enter into relationship. And the reason that Jesus, a few thousand years later, 4,000 years or so later, would then begin to pray, forgive me of sins as I have forgiven those who have sinned against me. In Genesis chapter 3, this is the reason that Jesus began to pray this in the Lord's Prayer. Because sin entered into the relationship of Adam and Eve and separated them from God. And so as mankind became separated in their relationship from God, then we became uh, separated in our relationships here on the earth. And in Genesis chapter 4, at the very beginning of this, we see that Adam and Eve had two sons. Here, Cain and Abel are introduced to us in the scripture. In verse 2 of Genesis chapter 4, it's recorded for us like this. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. They were different. They had different tasks. They had different assignments. And just because they had different assignments and just because they were different doesn't mean that there were any difference in between the two of them. They were both Adam and Eve's son. They were brothers. In verse 3, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And listen to these next two verses, and follow along at what's happening here. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? 
But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Do you know what Jesus is telling Cain about? Do you know what Jesus is talking about? Relationships. And Jesus is saying to Cain, you have a problem with your brother. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? You you know what's going on? He's saying, here is a blinking light that is a problem in this relationship that you have with your brother. You cannot avoid this blinking light. Why does God say he can't avoid that blinking light? He says, because sin is crouching at your door and you must master it. Hear me this morning, Whitechapel Church. Sin, because of the enemy, because of the fall of Adam and Eve, sin is crouching at our door as it pertains to relationships. God has given us a blinking light in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, and He is telling us that relationships matter to Him. Not only our relationship with Him, but our relationship with each other. Because the first two sons that we read about in the Scripture... Jesus comes to Cain when he has a problem with his brother. And Jesus is saying to him, you have to get this relationship right. Sin, he says, is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. The enemy desires to destroy your relationships horizontally here on the earth. Here with other people, as much as he desires to destroy our relationship with our Heavenly Father, our vertical relationship. The enemy doesn't care who the relationship's with. He knows that relationships are important to God. We were created to bring him glory. And we need each other in order to accomplish that. And so if the enemy can destroy our relationships with each other, then he knows, then he knows that he will be able to to destroy our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's what Jesus is praying here in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. He says, forgive me of my sins as much as I have forgiven those that have sinned against me. But we see this over and over and over and over as it pertains to our relationships here on the earth. We want to be a little bit like Cain. And and inside, even the most sanctified of people, there are some relationships that I believe that God wants to address in each and every one of us. And so this morning, it has been my prayer for you, for, for, for all of us, that the Lord would begin to deal with us about these relationships that he wants to speak to us about. And I'll tell you what my tendency is. My tendency is to just think that if I just ignore it, it's going to be okay. If I can just take whatever that issue is, and I can just set it off to the side, and as long as I don't have to look at it, everything's going to be okay. If I'm not looking at a problem, the way that my flesh works then there must not be a problem. But Jesus wants us today, I believe, to examine all of our relationships and to assess how much grace and forgiveness that we've poured out on other people. 
And then to ask ourselves the question, would, be, would we be okay if Jesus poured out that much grace on our life? As I was preparing for this message, the Lord said to me, we become hoarders of forgiveness. Hoarders of forgiveness. Do you know what we like to do? We like to hoard all of God's forgiveness. And we like to hang on to God's forgiveness. And we like forgiveness for ourselves. But we don't want to give any forgiveness away. We want to keep it all to ourselves. It's just like we talked about last week with give us today our daily bread. And how God's people, whenever they were in the wilderness and God was providing for them, they learned very quick, we can't become hoarders of the daily bread that God has given to us. We have to take today's bread and we have to consume it. Because if we don't, it will spoil. And you know what? That's true for forgiveness as well. We have to receive his forgiveness and we have to turn around and offer forgiveness. Because if not we become the one who spoils. That's what Jesus talked about. That's what Jesus was eventually teaching about. We like to read the Lord's Prayer. We like to go through the Lord's Prayer. And if you've been around church very long, you may have memorized the Lord's Prayer. But if we scoot forward just a couple of verses in the Lord's Prayer, what we discover is that the Lord's Prayer didn't stop at the very end of what we would say the Lord's Prayer is. Jesus did his teaching on the Lord's Prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. We stop there. But you know what the next two verses after the Lord's Prayer is? And we don't get this far into our theology. Because we like to stop at the amen and say it's all over and it's all said and done with, right? But take a look at verse 14 and verse 15. Jesus says this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So ask yourself this morning, and be honest with yourself this morning. Who have you not forgiven? Who have you not forgiven? Because if there is a stop, a block on your life spiritually... This is it. Jesus said, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. Here's what's interesting about verse 14 and 15. Jesus did not say, since you are forgiven, now go forgive. You see, there's some conditions here on this. If you are willing to offer forgiveness, then you can receive God's forgiveness. Who have you not forgiven? Who in your life have you held on to that resentment? Who have you held on to that hurt from? Now listen, you may very well have a very good reason to not like that person or to be upset with somebody because relationships are messy and relationships hurt and hurt people hurt people. So you may have very good reason and be justified in the hurt that you have. But you do not have good reason to hang on to that and to reject 
forgiveness to them. Jesus said, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul's writing to a church that was hurt. (laughs) They were dealing with some relational issues within the church. But the apostle saying to the church is, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul is saying to a church that has been injured by relationships, not only within the church, but by those relationships who weren't a part of the church. And Paul is saying, if you, if we were to take the entirety of what Paul wrote here, if you want to move forward in your relationship with the Lord, then what you have to do is you have to stop right now and forgive each other. Because Paul knew the words of Jesus Christ when he prayed, Forgive me of my sins as I have forgiven those who have sinned against me. Relationships hurt. And relationships demand forgiveness from each of us. The question is, are you going to be stuck in the resentment and the unforgiveness that has mired you and stopped you from moving forward in your relationship with God? Or are you going to break free from the chains of the enemy and walk in the freedom and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ our Savior? The opportunity for you today is to be completely set free of the chains of relationships and walk in forgiveness just as you have forgiven those who have sinned against you. But that's a choice. And that's a choice that we have to make. In Ephesians, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 4, 32, Paul says, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, hear this, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. I'll tell you, I grew up in the church. The first time that I went to church, I was 16 days old. Church has just been a part of what I have done my entire life. Whenever the church doors were open, We were always at church. It's just how we lived our life. My grandmother took us to church, and she was on this board and that board and that board. At one point, I thought her name was board, because when there was a board meeting, we were there. We were always at church. I've always been around the church. So let me tell you, I love the church. The church, not just these four walls that we have, but the church being the bride of Christ. But here's what I've come to learn about the church in my four and a half decades of living. There are sometimes we get hurt in the church. But you know what else I know about life itself? There are sometimes that you get, church, you get hurt outside of the church as well. You know what? Life is going to hurt you. Why is that the case? Because relationships hurt sometimes. It doesn't matter if you're a part of the church or you're not a part of the church. We're all fleshly. Adam and Eve were hurt in their relationship. Cain and Abel 
had some hurt in their relationships. They were only one generation removed from God creating Adam and Eve out of absolutely nothing that he just spoke it into existence. And so if it can happen to Cain and Abel, it can happen to us in the church or outside of the church. And Paul, in writing to these two churches that we just read these two passages of Scripture, says we have to model forgiveness inside the church if we expect to see the world change for all of eternity. Because you get hurt by the church sometimes. But you know what we do in the church? We don't hang on to that hurt. We offer forgiveness for all of the hurt. And then you know what? Here's the best part of this. And then we go model it in the world. We don't hide the hurts. You know what we say? My brother hurt me. But you know what? I'm not hanging on to that. I forgive him because Jesus forgave me. And so then we go model it, and the world says, well, how can you forgive that person? How can, how can you be okay with what? I'm not okay with it. And it did hurt. But I've given forgiveness because I want to receive forgiveness from God. And then the world starts to see our relationships that when we hurt each other as something that they want to be a part of. Because in the world, there's not a lot of forgiveness. Forgiveness was established by Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is owned by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because the first relationship where hurt entered into it and sin entered into it was the relationship between Adam and Eve and the Creator. And God experienced that hurt of separation from His creation. And from the very moment of sin, from that moment forward, God began to put, in, God began to put into action every single thing that He would do to repair that relationship. But we hold the keys in the church to that which God wants the world to see modeled. And I am thankful that there's hurt in the church. I'm thankful that none of us are perfect in the church because then we get to model it to the world and say, yep, I have hurt people, but they have forgiven me. And people have hurt me, but I have forgiven them. You know why? Because my king created forgiveness. God could have said and, and to Adam and Eve in the very beginning when they sinned, forget it, I'm done with creation. I will destroy you and I will start all over again. But you know what? He didn't. He created forgiveness. Because he wanted us to receive that forgiveness. He wanted us to walk free from the chains of sin and be able to walk in perfect relationship uh, um, vertically with him. So that we could then walk in relationship, perfect relationship, horizontally with each other. Forgiveness is for us. Because we know the original forgiver. So Jesus didn't just end here in Matthew chapter 6 talking about forgiveness. It was something that he modeled and talked about over and over and over again. If you were to turn forward with me in Matthew chapter 18, I want to read an additional teaching that Jesus actually shared on forgiveness and a conversation that he was having with Peter. 
I'm going to read it from my notes because I want to read the New Living Translation because I like how this is translated here and there's some key words that I'm actually going to point out from Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to begin reading in verse 21. This is from the New Living Translation. Then Peter came to him, that's Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Jesus replied, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And then he gave this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned in order to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king... He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Listen to Jesus' words in verse 35. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Forgiveness was created by Jesus. He came and he wrapped himself in flesh to offer forgiveness to you. But not so that you could become a hoarder of his forgiveness but so you could receive, and then you could extend that same forgiveness to other people. This parable is one that should probably make the hair on the back of our head stand up. Because every one of us, every one of us have been wronged. The question for us in the church are we willing to extend that forgiveness in the same measure that he has given to us? Or do we want to just become hoarders of his forgiveness and eventually get to that which we read in verse 35 where the king says, I'm tired of this. I've forgiven you and I've forgiven you and I've forgiven you, but you've just become a hoarder of my forgiveness. And so now, I want you to forgive those that have wronged you. Do you know what forgiveness is not? Forgiveness is not ignoring or forgiving, or I'm sorry, ignoring or forgetting what has hurt us. That's not forgiveness. 
Forgiveness is not condoning or excusing someone's actions. Forgiveness is not continuing to tolerate abuse or pain through someone's actions. That's, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not simply pushing reset on a relationship. And forgiveness is not about escaping the consequences of the relationship. But this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is giving up our desire, and maybe even our right, to seek revenge against somebody that's wronged us or sinned against us. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness is changing our attitude toward the offender. Changing our mindset towards somebody that has sinned against us so that we are extending compassion and forgiveness instead of resentment or hatred. Forgiveness is us taking the first step towards reconciliation in relationships here on the earth in the way that God took the step towards reconciliation and came and wrapped himself in the flesh and offered himself as the perfect sacrifice to us. This morning, I want to ask you to come clean with yourself, if you will. Has the Holy Spirit brought a face or a name to your mind this morning? that you haven't forgiven? Today has to be the day, it has to be the day that you extend forgiveness to that person. It doesn't mean in offering forgiveness you're gonna jump right back into that relationship the way that it was before. You're gonna be more aware now and you're going to know something about that person but you still have to forgive them. Has the Holy Spirit said to you in our service here this morning, Hey, this is, this is somebody. This is somebody that you need to forgive. Maybe it's somebody from years or decades in the past that you thought it was over and done with. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to move forward and extend the forgiveness that God has given to you. As I said earlier this morning, this is what I know. The enemy uses relationships against us in an effort to destroy our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when we do not extend forgiveness, it's a block for growing spiritually. So I want to ask you to make that commitment this morning that you will extend forgiveness to whoever the Holy Spirit has brought to your mind today. That face, that name, or whatever may have been sifted to the top, today's the day. And in just a few moments, I want to ask you to do something about it. We can't just come and hear a message here today and think, oh yeah, that's right. I've got to forgive. I've got to forgive. I'll get to that eventually and then leave and go about our lives. Because when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it is a call to action And if the Holy Spirit has brought up a name or brought a face to your mind, 
The Holy Spirit is saying to you today, I want you to act on that today and to begin to put in place whatever it takes for you to forgive just as God has forgiven you. And so it's not weak if you come and kneel at one of these altars and you ask God to help you. Because when you kneel, that's when you truly stand spiritually. And so if the Holy Spirit has called you to take action this morning, I want to ask you to come and to kneel at one of these altars. Or maybe kneel right where you're at and say, God, I have been harboring unforgiveness. Or I have been holding on to resentment inside of me. And begin to put into action that which the Holy Spirit is calling you to today. I've talked for weeks and weeks and weeks about God's dreams for us. And I dove in to the Lord's Prayer because I thought that in the Lord's Prayer, we would begin to grasp the dream of God building us into becoming a powerhouse of prayer. But you know what we find in the middle of the Lord's Prayer? It's not so much us becoming a powerhouse of prayer. That is a part of it. But you know what we find in the Lord's Prayer? It's Jesus pausing when he said, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And you know what he's really telling us to do? It's when we put that into action, that's when we break the chains of bondage that the enemy has on top of us. And so right here in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, we discover a path forward and how we can remove the chains of unforgiveness from us and walk in the freedom of relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.